Hey everyone. I'm purposefully writing and recording this before we find out the results of the US election. The reason I'm doing that is I think a lot of us have been solely focused on that or COVID for a while now, and we've forgotten a bit of what it's like elsewhere in the world. Places where a lockdown is maybe a welcome thing because of the safety that comes with it, and where before COVID, dangerous days were all too common. I'm saying all this because I got a chance to speak with somebody extraordinary for today's episode. Mona Saleh is a nonprofit worker that I met in London in 2018. You'll hear a bit more about her as we get to speaking, so I won't spoil any of that. But I wanted to let you know that English is not Mona's first language, and where she called in from was a little tricky for sound. So apologies if this isn't the clearest conversation, but it's probably one of the most important ones that I've ever done. Hey Mona. Thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? How's the pandemic experience for you been so far? Yeah, I'm doing good. And uh, for the epidemic, like uh, those days, is um, the heck is 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 low, but we are expecting like another waves of the epidemic when the winter started. So um, next month we are like we are still like thinking about uh, how we can again just to to put the measure on place uh, more seriously because we know that with the, with the, with the winter it will increase more but aside from the epidemic and the covid we we also have a, a lot of risk uh, and threats that we are also putting in consideration war and the air strikes that it's happening from time to time it's also one of the things that we keep monitoring the situation all the time. You said airstrikes there. Um, that kind of leads me to my question here. I'm not as familiar with your accent. So can you just tell me where is your accent from? Yeah, my accent is from Taiz City because I was born in Taiz City. So it's one of the cities in the south of Yemen. So uh, we always like have this accent when we speak any other language. So you're from Yemen and I'm assuming that you're still there. Where in Yemen are you right now? I'm in Sana'a, in the capital of Yemen. I'm in Sana'a. Mm. And what do you do there? So uh, I'm the country director of War Child, one of the uh, British NGOs working here in Yemen since 2016. Uh, um, we are working in different sectors, food security, education, and child protection mainly. Uh, working in different places in the country, south or north. Uh, we also, we are helping like the IDBs people and host communities to overcome this this difficult time where the war like already taken from them like all the means for surviving. So um, with the food security program, with the child protection, we are trying to protect children and to to give them uh, a good environment to study and to live with a dignity. Can I ask a, maybe a silly question? Because in our current news cycle, Yemen is unfortunately a bit far down the list. I mean, I know a bit about it because we've met before and we sat on a panel together. But compared to COVID-19 and the US elections, Brexit, Syria, I mean, even TikTok to some degree, it's unfortunately been drowned out by a lot of noise. So can you tell the people who are listening a bit about what's going on in Yemen? So uh, Yemen, like from 
from different uh, from ages like we are suffering from uh, a different um, conflicts that is happening since like 16th of the centuries so all the time we are coming out and going out from from war to another either civil war or another international war as we know like the UN secretary general is always like uh, saying that Yemen is the worst humanitarian crisis where like 92% of the population are in urgent need for humanitarian assistance and 22 million people are food insecure. So Yemen is still like on the bridge of famine. So it's it's the worst period this time with, with this current war that, that it was started in 2015 because all most of the big countries like KSA, Emirates, and other uh, coalitions of those cant- uh, countries, they are like uh, fighting against. They said like it's, they are fighting against uh, against Iran existence in Yemen, but still like the Yemeni people who are the one who is paying this from their lives, from their health, from uh, from everything. So. Uh, now, with this war that it was started in 2015, and people, they don't know when this war will be stopped and ending. Uh, everything in Yemen is collapsing, health system is collapsing, uh, the people are about uh, in the edge of famine, education is almost like we destroyed everything. So uh, I'm thinking like, we are thinking that there is no hope coming very soon. However, all of those uh, conferences that it's happening for for uh, for those parties who are like um, still discussing the the file of Yemen, but uh, since two thousand fifteen till now, there is no improvement in in the ground of the in the about the security of of this country. What exactly started the current conflict in two thousand fifteen? You said generally Yemen has been through a lot of conflict for ages, but. What's the, is it, you know, are we thinking, is it Iran that's invaded? Is it ISIS? Is there something else happening? Um, Apparently, like, if you will see the, the, the overall picture as the international community, they want to, to look at it. They, they look at it as, like, Sunni is fighting uh, with Shia. This is the general picture. Uh, but in the reality, when we, we had like our ex-president uh, that was named Saleh, when he already like withdrawn from the power and give and submit the power to uh, when the Arab Spring started, he already like withdraw from his position and another one, his vice uh, president, take the this position. So. As you know, like if you will see the, the the map of Yemen, and you will see the Yemen, they have like a very important port in terms of shipment in the in the Middle East. So we will see Adan, Socatra Island, and a lot of important points. Those it's already taken now by by KSA Emirates. So sometimes there is also a, another fight between KSA and Emirates in the south area of Yemen because always like Emirates, they take the very important points and locations there. 
so like that they can control more and more the the way of treatment uh, in the Middle East. And case A, it's keep like uh, spreading more in the South, uh, generally in, and they want like to uh, at least like to save their borders where uh, we have, because we are like the neighbors of KSA, so all of these borders was already taken. It sounds incredibly complex and as if there's not even one, uh, I guess there's not one person that's fighting one person. What what it's making the, the situation uh, worse now, because now even, even for us as a humanitarian NGOs or as a Yemeni people, now we are dealing with two governments. So we have one government in the south and one government in the north. We have even even the the currency. Now it's become different. Uh, the the central bank of Yemen it's become two. In 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 the reality we are separated. But in in, in in our in the officials, it's still no. Uh, Yemen is still union, and uh, we have just only one Yemen. But in the reality, no, it's already like separated. Can I ask you how does it feel for you on an emotional level? I know that you work at an NGO, and so a lot of it has to be a focus of trying to help people. But just specifically to you, Mona, how does it feel seeing your home country go through all this turmoil? It's very, very, very disappointing. It's very like you feel like sad for yourself and for your family and also for the people. This this war, it's you you feel like day by day that it will never be ending. The humanitarian situation is really deteriorating. So um, you always like wake up in the morning and you don't have that hope that tomorrow will be okay and tomorrow will be like a better a better day as as we used to do before this this current war but it's always like when you start your day you start with with many crises you start fighting for every simple thing like fuel for your car food availability uh, good health a good hospitals, if you feel like you are not good and you want to, to go to the hospitals, you will find no medicine, not a good doctors because they already like left the country. I mean, like everything in terms of every, even and single and simple things in Yemen, it's become more and more like very complicated. On top of that, like you cannot even leave the country and yeah, so it is still like very, very complicated and Sometimes it's hopeless. You feel like it's uh, hopeless. Are you scared it won't ever stop? Yeah, yeah. Especially when a new epidemic is coming, like cholera or COVID or something. You feel like you want to skip this. You want to run away of this. I mean, yeah, sometimes you, you want like, to help people and to, but sometimes you feel no, it's like you have the right to save your life and save your family lives and to go out of this country. Actually, on that note, can I ask about your family? So you said you are in Sanaa and you're originally from a different part of Yemen, uh, Taz City. And where is your family? Are, are they with you in Sanaa? Are you guys in different places? Are they still back home? 
Yeah, I have only one brother who is with me here in Sana'a and uh, a small family in Ib, but the bigger, the biggest family is outside the country. Do you get to see? Yeah, I can, I can see them from time to time. But uh, however, the road, it's become not that very safe and the even it's become longer because you are not like going from the main streets or from the main road of traveling that you used to do but now like always because there is like always like either airstrike or um, clashes or something so always like you take the the longest and the safest road uh for those who in yemen like it's yeah i can see them but uh, those who are like outside the country like yeah it's become more and more difficult to see them the last time i saw my family it was like uh, i think almost three years now wow so last year i spoke to a good friend of mine he's from syria he lived in aleppo He was very close to some violence, um, specifically took a bus ride. That was a reason that he ended up having to flee, just realizing that Aleppo was far too intense for him to try to remain and live in. Um, have you been in any situations like that where you felt like your life was in danger? Yeah, yeah, many times, many times. So even like in, in these questions, I wasn't like, I said, what is the best story to tell? Like, because I already faced a lot of, of those cases of the situation a lot here in Yemen so one of them as I mentioned in my answer that like it was like when the biggest airstrike happening uh, in Sana'a and I was like in, in my way to to work so um, the the road was blockaged and everything like in in a single minute like you you see all around you like it's destroyed So, and you stop like thinking what, what is happening and then you see people dying on the street, people screaming, a lot of children, they were like screaming and, and I, I saw many cases like where, where the children like was crying on, on their, either fathers or mothers, dead bodies in the street. Like it, it, this, this one, it was the biggest explosion that is happening in Sana'a and a lot of people they were in the street like dying so this is was one of the very harsh moment where i was there and for the good like i i was like still surviving but also there was like another story where i was in taz when the coalition started to hit one of the schools that was like beside our house so the the schools was like already destroyed And we just at 3 a.m. morning, we, we said, okay, just leave the house and run away. I mean, like, we need to, to, to travel outside Taiz. At the time of the airstrike is happening because it was like a very, very heavy airstrike happening, like one after one. So we couldn't even, like, take a breath on how we can leave. And the road was, most of the road was blockage. And there was, again, even in that time, there was like a fuel shortage. Imagine like more than, than eight people. We were like in a very small car, trying as much as possible just to save our life, running away from our home. 
in in Taiz and going to a city without we don't have like the the car was not filling with with the fuel well so we have tried to take some of the fuel from our neighbor he just give in in one bottle a very small quantity of fuel just to at least like to go to the uh, another street to see if there is like one of the guys who is like in the black market is is selling this fuel and then we travel on this car where like even the glasses of the car that is in the back side it was already like the, uh, broken and we just like enter to the car with with all of these glasses that it was in 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 the chairs of the car and just we we go outside the country imagine at that time like you buy the 20 liter of of fuel with almost like 60000 uh, no. it was like 20 20 liter it was with almost 60 dollar to a city where you don't have like a place to live you don't have how home or anything just so uh, as we have like at least like we are at least like in a, in a good position financially so we we stay in a hotel where even the hotel was not uh, like even the electricity in the hotel was well the power was off all the time so but at least like we try we sit in this hotel for 3 months until we 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 rent another uh, place to to live in in Ib city so when we fled from Taiz to to Ib we left our house without taking anything from this house like imagine like you invest all your money and time and life just to um, to build this house and to have this house with all the memories that you have and then you suddenly just you, you leave it and you go uh, without anything then this house that we had in, in Taiz, it was like all the thing was stolen. Everything, furniture, everything, everything in this house was like was stolen. And uh, since then, since 2015 till today, we didn't come back. Have you ever thought of just leaving Yemen altogether? Yeah, in, two, uh, in 2000, yeah, end of 2015, all, all my family, they left Yemen, and I left with them to, uh, to Amman, Jordan. But actually, like, I said, two months there in Amman, and my, my ex-organization that I was working, they, they were fine for two months and then three months. They said, okay, we can, I can work from there. But uh, actually, like, after that time, I feel like I don't have anything to do in Amman, and um, I cannot like continue like this. I need, uh, need to come back and work. So uh, the only option that I get, it was like coming back again to Yemen and to continue working on this. I, I need to keep myself, like I'm still like young and I, I want to work. So I keep myself busy also and financially, yes. And also the only thing like you feel like you cannot go and help um, people in another country and you feel like your country is still like need you so um, I said to my family okay you can stay there in Amman I, I will come back to, to, to Yemen I will be in Sana'a Sana'a is considered more stable situation 
than the other cities and yes i can work i, I can come back so after that one by one of my families they they start coming back to sanaa but uh, the majority they were also like sitting outside the country but uh, if you will feel like you will say this questions to any of the youth uh, in yemen they said yes for of course like we we need to go out of this country you know given that you work in the humanitarian side of trying to keep people safe and fed and i have to ask what what is the solution to everything going on i, I view the humanitarian side as trying really hard to just stop the bleeding if you will of of a lot of people who are suffering but what what in the end would solve to to make it so what you do isn't needed anymore to give everybody a bit of a reprieve from the violence yeah as a as humanitarians uh, actors we are trying as much possible just to 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 give the emergency need and to respond to, to the emergency need of the people but also in in term of the political side we, we are trying as much as possible to do some advocacy to uh, to encourage parties to go back to the negotiation table and they keep continue this this uh, negotiation about the coming back to a political solution because this is the most important i mean like giving and responding to the uh, to the emergency assistance yes is very important but also we as a uh, international ngos we we need like to to make a, a lot of stress and effort to the international community to to do some political solution and to to stop the war as soon as possible so what what can we do um those of us that have the privilege to choose what we want to support what can we do to help in yemen and help you and help the people there yeah in terms of like keep funding the 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 programs that is like working in yemen this is in terms of responding to to uh, to the people need like we know that even like the political situation uh, solution will not coming in one day and it will not happen like in one day so uh during this period like a lot of people is dying a lot of people is suffering so uh, we always like argue donors and uh, and uh, international committees to keep funding Yemen Yemen is still like one of the priority in the in the Middle East so uh, according to the UN secretary general uh, lastly they were like asking more fund and more money coming to to help those uh, the the country and Yemeni people because uh, sometimes like donors they promise to give and but with all the challenges and the obstacles they sometimes like by end of the year they they decide to to give this money to another country where the access is more uh, is more easier um, mona can i ask just uh, by way of like a follow up question to that a bit do you have anything you want to send to people like can i can i link anything that is a good way of describing 
a bit of what's going on or a report to read or any news or anything that, that you recommend that is telling the right kind of story. Um, like I said at the beginning, I think we're really inundated with a lot of news in the world with a pandemic. And I think even in one of your answers, you said you know, other diseases are still around in Yemen, like cholera, that are causing a lot of troubles. So what can I link to the people here um, who listen to this to, to let them read a bit more? Yeah, if you want, like, to share with you some reports and some of those reports for, for you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There is, like, a lot of reports I can share it with you even after this call. So, uh, like that, you can you can uh, read more about what is happening here in, in the country. Okay. Thanks so much, Mona. Um, the last thing I want to just ask is, from your view of the world right now, I want to end with a little bit of a positive note, if we can. I know it's tough, but with your view of the world right now, what what are you looking forward to in the next six months, one year? Like, what what gives you hope? Uh, what's give me hope is just like um, the the courage of the Yemeni people that they always like um, um, come out from from a crisis, from the crisis, like historically like if you read the Yemen history that the, the Yemeni people they are the, the bravest people in the Middle East so they always like add, um, they they struggle and always like they success to to come out from any any crisis happening so um, I'm one of them we will keep like fighting until um, the country will be in peace and we'll keep fighting until we survive as uh, as much as possible, like uh, Yemeni's life, until we come out from this. Mm, that's really well said. Um, Mona, thank you so much for the time. I know that you have a lot going on and you're quite busy, and this is just really powerful and, and very, very helpful to understand. Thank you so much, and I'm so happy like to, to continue like uh, talking to you again. So hopefully, like in the future, we can meet again in, in, in one of those countries. I'm just going to recap a few things that Mona said. I don't normally do this, but I wrote these down when I went back to edit this conversation and was astounded at re-listening to them. Mona hasn't seen her family for three years. She lives a life in constant danger with airstrikes apparently being a particularly nasty menace. Her central bank is split and she has to contend with two currencies, alongside food and fuel shortages and other diseases. Mona even left Yemen but returned because she felt she couldn't really help other people till she helped her own. I'm absolutely amazed at her story and I really hope that it might have helped you too, wherever you are and whatever you're living through right now. If Mona can go to work every day, but be on the lookout for an airstrike, then we can probably suffer a lockdown and wear our masks for just a bit longer. I've linked Mona's report in the show notes and some of the details about her and Yemen if you're curious to learn more. That's it for today's story. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, you can subscribe to get the latest updates anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have a moment and you're feeling generous, please leave a review. I'd really appreciate it, and it helps me understand how to make this show even better. 
For more info on me and this concept, you can visit our website at onesimplequestion.co. One Simple Question is hosted by me, Abhishek Lahoti. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you tune in again soon, and bye for now.